Hi, my name is Nikki. My name is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Crime Stories. Stories, a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. How are we all today? Good good, 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 good. Sorry, I thought you were talking to the people that well, are in their cars. The people can answer too. Everybody answer. How are y'all doing today? Good. Yeah. Yay! Woo! Uh, when I say hey, you don't get it. All right, so let's go ahead and get things started. I'm going to kick it over to Nikki, and uh, she's going to kick us off tonight with our true crime headlines. So, I had a hard time choosing because I have two that are on oxygen and then I have one on people, but I like both of the ones that I have on oxygen. So, I think I'm going to just go with two of my oxygens. I think you did, I think two weeks ago you did two on oxygen too. I really Or like, I did two on oxygen. I don't remember. I probably did two on oxygen. Yeah, we also do a lot of people. I love people.com. It's okay. Yeah. So, this one actually made me really sad and Jovi and I were talking about this earlier but, well, I didn't, I didn't tell her what the story was, but we were talking about an incident very similar to this. But it says, stay with me, please. Husband pleads for help in heartbreaking 911 call after wife is shot in alleged road rage incident. Mm. Yeah. Because Jovi and I were talking about road rage yeah. and how people are crazy. People are crazy. Um, so basically what happened was this couple, they were going to celebrate their uh, seven year anniversary. They were going to Hilton Head Island. Mm-hmm. They're from uh, Pennsylvania, and they have six children. Um, so basically, I guess what happened was the husband was trying to merge on, or somehow cut this other guy off. I don't know, but he, whoever was in the car, pulled up next to them and started shooting into their car. Jeez, Louise! Which I'm just like, it's wow, scary. that's so scary. Very scary, and she actually passed away. Mm. So. Um, but very sad. She was only 47 years old. Ugh. And then this other one. Oh, sorry. I thought you were raising your hand. I don't know why <laughs> I thought you were raising your hand. This other one that I found on Oxygen was woman accused of lacing ex-boyfriend's oatmeal with fentanyl before strangling him with his favorite tie. Oof. Oh, yeah. It's just so extreme. All right, go ahead. So it says Heidi Littlefield and her ex-boyfriend Francis Kelly had reportedly been in a heated custody dispute um, for the couple's young daughter when she allegedly enlisted the help of her adult daughter and her (gasps) daughter's boyfriend to carry out the deadly plan to kill him. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. So it says an Indiana woman has been accused of lacing her ex-boyfriend's oatmeal with fentanyl and then strangling him to death with his favorite tie amid a heated custody battle for the couple's young daughter. It says Heidi Marie Littlefield, 41, is now facing charges of murder and two counts of conspiracy to commit murder in the death of 46-year-old Francis Kelly. Wow. Mm-hmm. Are the, says, are, is the daughter and her boyfriend in trouble at all? Or fiancé? Um, so it says uh, Logan uh, Ronyo. I don't know. Logan, 22, and her her daughter's boyfriend, Robert James Walker, 29, um, basically helped her carry out the plan. And it says that Logan, which is the daughter, has uh, been charged with murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder, while Walker is facing two counts of conspiracy to commit murder. Wow. Yeah. So it says uh, Kelly's body was discovered on the couch at his home after police had um, were asked to basically do a welfare check on him. Yeah. 
So it basically, uh, another former girlfriend of Kelly had reached out to authorities after he failed to pick up their nine-year-old daughter for his, for his birthday. Wow. Mm-hmm. Very sad. That's insanity. I, it makes me really upset when, like, significant others kill their other one because it's like your child is the one that suffers the most from that. Well, my whole th- there's well, there's a lot fucked up about that story. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, not saying that's, that's not fucked up, but it is fucked that's up. That's incredibly true. The fact yeah. that, like, okay, so you wanted to get rid of the boyfriend because you wanted to have custody of your daughter. You really think that you're going to fucking get away with it? Oh, yeah. Give me... A break. But now you just basically took him from two children. Correct. And now you have, now your daughter, who you were fighting for, is parentless. Yeah. Right. Because you have to go to jail. Because you're an idiot. And on top of that, you have now enlisted the help of your other daughter and now made her a fucking criminal. Yeah. And she's like 22. That's, and ruined her life. She's probably going to go away for, if not her life, for a very long time. It's insane. Wow. Yeah. But those were... Oh, those and I just kids. got... And I feel bad for the girl who is the do- who, the 22-year-old. I feel bad for her. Yeah. Because, I mean, if your mom's asking you to do so... I mean, granted, I wouldn't say that I was smart at 22. I didn't make good decisions probably until no. I was in like, my mid-20s. Well, but even But even I, I don't still, think I would kill anybody. No, I I agree. I would like to think that I wouldn't kill anybody either. But that's still your mother. This is the person who's supposed to friggin' protect you from all this stuff. And she's the one roping you into it? Uh Uh-huh. Wow. I can't. So it said uh, she... uh, I kind of scrolled down a little bit. But it said she reportedly paid, I guess, the boyfriend $2,500 in October to hire someone to carry out the hit. But Walker spent it on drugs and had no intention of doing what she had asked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Jeez Louise. Interesting. But wow. those are my true crime headlines. Crazy. And you can find them on Oxygen. Oh, they were from, I didn't say the dates. Oh my God, I'm a horrible person. You are. You're a terrible person. Oh, crap. You should I'm feel so really, sorry. really, really bad about People it. People aren't going to know how to They're look them gonna up. They're not going to know. They're going to so know. So this one is from. <laughs> no one's going to. It's all my I fault. I did it, girl. <laughs> so it's, how oh, this one. They're going to know. Isn't that how it goes? No one's going to know. No one's going to know. So um, the the ex-boyfriend one is from March 30th, uh, 2021. And the other one, do, 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 April 5th, 2021. Wow. Yes. Those are some cray-cray true crime headlines, Nikki. Yes. Cray. So now I'm going to send it over to Charlie mm-hmm. for this week's story. So, as you guys may know, as listeners of the show, um, if you've listened to us before, you may be aware of this. If you are new to um, our listenership here at Bad Crime Stories, you might not know this. So, I, if you're, I was going to say, if you're new, hello. Yeah, if you're new, hi, welcome. Um, but just to give you a little insider info, you guys may know this. We record our episodes quite a few weeks ahead of when you do listen to them wherever podcasts are available. And we do this for a couple of reasons. We want to make sure that everything is perfect for you. We are amateurs. We are learning as we go. So we want to make sure that everything sounds as good as possible before it gets to your ear holes. Mm -hmm. And number two, we also like to make sure we have plenty of 
uh, episodes available and ready mm-hmm. to go just in case there's an emergency or somebody gets sick or there's a vacation or holidays or what have you. So life. we like to life just in general, in general. Um, so we like to kind of load up on episodes. So with mm-hmm. that being said, I want to let you guys know that it's not when you're listening to this, but it is currently a very exciting week for Charlie and it is WrestleMania week. WrestleMania was just a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. and I have been a lifelong fan not only of true crime, but of also of professional wrestling. I have been watching wrestling pretty much on a weekly basis, on and off, since before I could talk. Definitely before I could walk. Uh, my parents and my sister are also big fans of wrestling. That you know, That's what we did. When we were, that was like our family viewing was sitting around the TV and watching wrestling. And we were, w, we were a WCW family. Because, you know, that's just this how we grew up. We did not grow up with the WWF. But I do now watch WWE and AEW. And okay, it's, it's whatever. Anyway. Sorry, I'm just staring yes, at Charlie. Yes, like, I get excited. This is that, like, did you ever see that TikTok where it's like if somebody kidnaps you, what were they yes! going to return you for? They'd return me for talking about wrestling yeah. or true crime. It's like it's a toss up of what I'm in the mood to talk about. Mm-hmm. So, just a little information. My favorite wrestlers of all time: Flying Brian Pillman, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Sting, and Goldberg. So, just giving myself a little cred. What about Sethy? Seth is my current favorite wrestler. Seth Rollins is my current favorite wrestler, and has a little bit to do with his skill because he's a very good wrestler. Has a lot to do with how pretty he is. See, I'm like, and how good he looks I just, in tights. I just know the the main big people out there, mm-hmm. like The Rock, Batista. I love Batista. Who I love neither Batista. wrestle anymore, but yeah, I mean okay. he's just he's very nice to look at. He's very nice to look at. Drax, so handsome. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's a lot of you out here who are true crime fans. Maybe some of you are wrestling fans, or just at least can kind of see where I'm going with this and see why I'm bringing this up. Um, because I'm talking about wrestling and I'm also talking about true crime. And you guys can probably guess I'm going to be telling the incredibly tragic story of the double murder suicide of Chris Benoit, his wife, Nancy, and their son, Daniel. So I got all of my information from an amazing television show that airs on the Vice Network called The Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, This is from season two, episodes one and two. It was a two part. It was a two part episode because that's how chock full of crazy it is and chock full of incredible information it is um in my opinion dark side of the ring should be required viewing for every pro wrestling fan even if you are not a fan of the sport and yes i say sport because those people are athletes whether you like to admit it or not um you should still watch it because it is fascinating and we want to talk about true crime watch dark side of the ring because there's been a lot of bonkers situations that happened in the last couple of decades of wrestling so where can they find Dark Side of the Ring? Dark Side of the Ring is on Vice TV. New season is coming out in a couple of weeks. Season three is going to be released, I think, beginning of May. Um, and you can also find episodes on Hulu. <gasps> oh, okay. Dark I have Side Hulu. of the Ring. Fascinating, fascinating television show. Okay. I also did some date and fact checking on Wikipedia, but most of everything is from Dark Side of, the, of, of Wrestling. Or Dark Side of the Ring. I'm sorry. All right. So here we go. I was like, I've never, I've know of this story, but I don't know this story. So I'm very excited. So again, just to kind of preface this and to give you guys a little bit of warning, because I'm a wrestling fan, I find the backstory of this also incredibly fascinating. So you guys are going to be getting a lot of like wrestling information as well. So 
you're welcome. <laughs> Buckle up. Okay. So Chris Benoit was born on May 21st, 1967 in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. He was a fan of professional wrestling from a very early age, and he idolized two wrestlers from that time period, the Dynamite Kid and Bret Hart. Um, Chris actually trained with the Hart Family Wrestling Dynasty at the Hart Family Dungeon, which is a Canadian gym and training facility run by Stu Hart, who is the patriarch of the Hart Family. The Hart Family is legend legend status in the world of wrestling i mean generations upon generations of wrestlers come from the hart family and because his desire to emulate his idol the dynamite kid chris started to use a very similar signature move that the dynamite kid used and it was called the diving headbutt so basically the way that the diving headbutt worked was the wrestler or the the wrestler would get up on the top rope or the top mm-hmm. turnbuckle so the turnbuckle is the little connector of the ropes right mm-hmm. in the corners so they would stand up on the top one and they swan dive into the ring and land head to head with their opponent who's laying face up on the mat in the on the ground and this can really be anywhere from three to four and a half feet in the air depending on the regulation ring that you're there using by the way i looked it all up but yes they jump from that top rope and slam head first into the head of the opponent in the ring so this move that we as as we know now causes repeated traumatic blows to the head Mm -hmm. and in some cases concussions can occur due to the way that the move is executed especially if you just kind of land wrong you know say wrestling is very insane insane high impact when my sister was here watching wrestlemania over the weekend she and i were talking about it and somebody did something and it like they landed weird on their neck Mm -hmm. and she goes i swear every single time i watch wrestling and something like that happens i'm just i'm thinking that i'm watching this person get paralyzed oh yeah or like it's just it's it's that's why i say we all know that wrestling is predetermined. The outcomes of the matches are predetermined. It's fake. It's choreographed. But yeah. those the, the people who are in that ring, the men and women in that ring, are athletes. So have you been watching The Rock's TV show? I haven't, Young Rock. Okay. I haven't watched it, no. Because that's the one thing that they talk about in that show is, like, he is, like, fight with people when they're like, wrestling's fake. And he's like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's, like, it's, it's not to them. Yes, and the whole thing is, is... Yes, it's choreographed and yeah. predetermined, but the wrestling There's itself, what they're of... doing, is real. It's real yeah. athletics. All right, I'm sorry. I get off my oh, I no, get no. off my wrestling it's... soapbox here. Yeah. Um, so Chris Benoit made his public wrestling debut in 1985 in the Stampede Wrestling promotion run by Stu Hart. So according to the other wrestlers who worked with Chris, he was quiet. He really stayed to himself most of the time. But once the match began, he was a completely different person. He came to life and got really all of his energy from the crowd and being in the ring. Yeah. So Chris met one of his closest friends and colleagues, the legendary Eddie Guerrero, in Japan in the early 90s. So Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero are both considered two of the greatest wrestlers to ever be in the ring. And and truly, the two of them really, really are. So Nancy Elizabeth Tafaloni was born on May 17th, May 17th, wow. May 17th, 1964, in Boston, Massachusetts, but she did move to Florida with her family at a young age. Wait, so she older than him? By a couple of years. Oh, okay. Three years, maybe? Three years. I mean, get it. I'm four years older than my boyfriend, so. I'm actually... 
I'm usually older than my boyfriend. He makes fun of me all the time about it, but whatever. But my boyfriend's actually older than me. So Nancy got married right out of high school. Her first husband was a big fan of wrestling. So the two of them used to go to local shows all the time, like the small time promotions Mm -hmm. in the area. And when they were at one of the shows, a promoter saw her in the crowd and asked her if she would like to work some weekends as a valet. So a valet in wrestling is the person, usually a woman, who escorts the wrestler down to the ring for their matches. They'll stay ringside to cheer them on. And usually they wind up becoming a subject in that wrestler's storyline. It's like, oh, that guy punched my valet so now i gotta beat him up her honor you know that's kind of usually how it would work so through this weekend job she kind of started doing it more and more and more she wound up meeting a wrestler named kevin sullivan um when he was working with florida championship wrestling in 1984 so she became a part of his team so kevin sullivan basically made a team of they're supposed to be like misfits possessed demonic valets basically and her persona was the fallen angel so she was sort of this warrior princess from the dark type of a gimmick right yeah so with working with kevin sullivan and his crew the two of them wind up falling in love and after her divorce from her first husband was final nancy married kevin sullivan so they begin working for the WCW, my favorite. Um, and this is in 1996 is when they officially become part of the WCW roster. So Nancy changed her on-screen moniker from Fallen Angel to Woman, just Woman. Same similar type of persona, mm-hmm. kind of like a like a warrior princess, kind of like, you know, that type of a thing. I feel like it'd be so fun to walk, wear uh, like the costumes she, that the girls wear. She was so badass. She was so badass. Um, and it was there at WCW after she became woman that Nancy met Chris Benoit. So Chris at the time was now at WCW alongside Eddie Guerrero and their partner, Dean Malenko. And they were wrestling there as the three amigos. Hmm. So in his position as wrestler and booker at WCW, Kevin started to create storylines for his character. And one particular storyline that he created pitted him against Chris. And within the storyline, he wrote that Nancy or I'm sorry, woman, woman was having an affair with Chris Benoit. And this was like what was spurring on their big feud in the ring. Well, as the storyline continued, it kind of seemed as though Kevin was writing his own divorce into reality because in time, life began to imitate art. So they started to fall for one another. And in 1997, allegedly, Nancy was claiming that her and Kevin's relationship had become abusive. And she started to go to Chris for help. And, you know, that was kind of her shelter whenever anything would happen between her and Kevin. So um, at one pay-per-view event with WCW, Kevin and Chris had a match. Man, and you remember the pay-per-views? Oh, this was it was Bash at the Beach. And But I remember when you, like, is that still a thing? What? The paper p- pay per view. Oh yeah, like WrestleMania. It's oh. actually every every month WWE has a pay per view. Oh, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different now. You don't like order it from cable. You do it yeah. from WWE Network, or now they're on Peacock. So yeah. Um. So at one pay per view event at WCW, Kevin and Chris had a match that started to become like incredibly oh. real on camera. So they begin to exchange blows, and Chris lands a punch on the side of Kevin's head that actually ruptures his eardrum. So once the match is over, they go backstage and the fight continues backstage in real life. So Nancy, pissed, frustrated about what's going on, she leaves the venue. She leaves with 
Chris. So she tells her sister, Sandra, later that night that Kevin had been abusive, that Chris was the one who was helping her and protecting her, and that she was leaving Kevin. So shortly thereafter, uh, her divorce from Kevin was final, and Chris and Nancy were engaged pretty much right away. So this was in 1997. Uh, February of 2000, Nancy gave birth to their child, Daniel. And in November of that same year, November of 2000, Nancy and Chris were married. So they lived in this beautiful home in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Chris's older son, David, from his first marriage, was very close with Nancy and Daniel. Uh, The two brothers were really tight. Nancy doted on David. Um, In the interview, David is interviewed and he says that, you know, there was no step in our household. There was no half brother in our household. We were brothers. She was my other mom. Like we were very, very, very close. And he said that the two of them, him and Daniel, wanted to grow up and be tag team partners one day. But wait, how old is, how old's the other brother? At this time, so you figure Daniel was born in 2000. I would yeah. say that David at the time was maybe like seven or eight. Oh, okay. He's still a young kid. Okay, so there was like yeah. a little bit of a difference. Because he's them. now, I want to say that the older son, David, is probably around our age. Oh. Ish. Maybe a little bit younger, maybe a couple years younger than us, but he's around our age. Okay. It wasn't long after Chris and Nancy were married that Chris and Eddie left WCW to join. At the time, it was WWF. It is now, obviously, WWE. Um, And it was there that the two of them truly cemented their legend status and grew even closer as friends. So Eddie was deeply religious man, and he introduced Chris to the concept of religion and faith. Eddie gifted Chris with a Bible, and he acted as a sort of guide for Chris as he navigated his newfound devotion. Um, Chris would call on Eddie for advice on problems at work and at home, and they were ardent supporters of one another, both personally and professionally. And through this... Uh, Nancy became very close with Eddie's wife, Vicky. So the Guerreros and the Benoits were tight, tight, tight. The four of them were very, very close. So during this time, Eddie was plagued with injuries through this long career that he had and all of the, you know, high risk maneuvers he was taking. And Mm -hmm. he started to self-medicate those injuries with alcohol and drugs. And eventually he began to spiral. So Chris began to kind of take on this role of caretaker for Eddie when they were on the road and kind of make sure that he got to bed at night, made sure he had a bucket next to him, all that stuff. But Eddie eventually got to the point where he arrived to work high and he was let go from WWE. So, Eddie wound up going to rehab. He cleaned himself up. Um, He started to train and he wound up being rehired from the WWE. He worked his way back up the ranks at the the company and was really in the best shape of his life. So by WrestleMania 20 in March of 2004, both Chris and Eddie had matches at WrestleMania. And Eddie was able to retain his WWE championship title. And Chris won the main event, which was a triple threat match against Triple H and Shawn Michaels, where he won the WWE World Heavyweight Championship from Triple H. Is that the giant belt? That's the big one. Yeah. And they actually don't have the World Heavyweight Championship anymore. They just have the WWE Championship and the Universal Championship. So it's a little bit. The only thing I know is that these men are very toned and they wear those like little like. They're little speedos. Speedo looking things. And then they wear those big belts. And that's what I know about wrestling. After Chris's match, after he won the big championship match, um, Eddie actually came out from backstage, joined him in the ring. The two of them were embracing in the ring. It was like a really memorable and truly iconic moment in wrestling history. 
So about a year and a half later, it's November 13th, 2005. They're on a road trip to Minnesota with WWE. Eddie Guerrero is found unresponsive in his hotel room by his nephew, wrestler Chavo Guerrero. The night before, Eddie, Chavo, and Chris had all agreed to meet the following morning at the gym at 7 a.m. to work out. Um, But Eddie was pronounced dead by ambulance crew that arrived at the scene. Um, An autopsy concluded that Eddie had died of acute heart failure due to an underlying cardiovascular disease. He was only 38 years old. Shit like that freaks me out. Like sad. Well, like when you think about what he put his body through, you figure he was 38 in age, but he was probably running on a body of a 65 year old man. Oh, yeah. You know, from I all mean, the, the from all the trauma, and- exactly from all the trauma of his body, just from wrestling, the bumps, the everything, plus the drugs and the alcohol. Well, like yeah, just, ugh, so sad. So with the death of Eddie Guerrero, Chris was absolutely devastated. He was irrevocably heartbroken over Eddie's death. Nancy was there as a support for Vicky Guerrero, Eddie's wife. Um, she would actually go to the house. She would get Vicky out of bed. She was there for Vicky and Eddie's daughters. And Vicky credits Nancy with being her angel during that time and says that Nancy was the one who really helped to save her and bring her through that dark period in her life. So Nancy's reaction to the grief was to jump to action, right? To help to support her friends, yeah. to be there for them, to be the the strength, the pillar. Yeah. Chris was Chris's response was to completely shut down. So Nancy because actually he's also going through that grieving. Correct, too. correct. So Nancy actually wound up living with Vicky and her daughters for about a month after Eddie passed away, just to kind of get her back into a routine, I guess. Yeah. Um, and when Chris wasn't working, when he would have breaks from matches, he would come to the Guerrero house and Vicky would actually find him lying on Eddie's side of the bed, crying and like holding his pillow and sobbing. It's probably like his BFF. Oh, it's, it's awful. So he told Vicky, uh, Chris had told Vicky that he was lost without Eddie. So Nancy and her sister, Sandra gifted Chris with a journal. And basically what they said was write Eddie letters in this journal and try and work through this hard time. And it, yeah. it seemed to work. It seemed to kind of get him to a place where he was functioning again. Yes. Okay. So this was November of 2005, about a year and a half later, June 23rd, 2007. June 23rd, 2007, it was a Saturday night. Chris was expected in Texas to perform at live events over the weekend with the WWE, including a pay-per-view event scheduled in Houston on Sunday the 24th. He called Chavo Guerrero, uh, who he was supposed to drive with between the venues um, between Saturday and Sunday, and told him that he wasn't going to make it on the trip, and he told Chavo that Nancy and Daniel had gotten food poisoning and he had to stay home to take care of them. So before he gets off the phone, he kind of like stops Chavo and he's like, hey, I love you. I miss you. And Chavo's like, this is really out of the ordinary. It was weird. Love you too, buddy. And got off the phone. Like it was very out of character for Chris. So 530 the next morning, Sunday, June 24th, the day of the pay-per-view event, Chavo gets a text from Chris's phone that said the dogs are in the enclosed pool area and the back door is open. About 30 seconds later, he gets another text, this time from Nancy's phone, and it says the exact same thing. Shortly after that, he gets another text from Chris's phone that just includes his address. So Chavo was confused, thinking maybe this was for, like, the taxi driver to take him to the airport, like, didn't really understand what was going on. So he kind of disregards it. It's 530 in the morning, just goes back to bed with the belief that Chris will be arriving in Houston about three hours later by plane, right, for the event. 
So after Chavo gets to the venue that afternoon, the head of relations, Johnny Ace, goes up to Chavo. I didn't even write it down, but I remember who it was. Uh, the head of, <laughs> sorry, the head of talent relations, Johnny Ace, asks Chavo where Chris is. And Chavo says he doesn't know, but he shows him these texts that he got from Chris that morning. So it was now getting into the afternoon hours of Sunday. It was getting closer and closer to the time the pay-per-view was supposed to start. And Chris still had not arrived in Houston for the event. So Vince McMahon, CEO and chairman of WWE, he tells one of his head of security to like, can you call and see if they could do a wellness check at Chris's house in Atlanta? So... Uh, they wind up not actually doing the wellness check until Monday because it wasn't there was no emergency. There was no actual evidence that anything bad was going on. He just hadn't shown up to work. So there wasn't anything. I feel like that and enough, though, like when you have to be on like this television or whatever and you tell someone, hey, I'm going to be there. But he never actually said he was going to be there. He no? actually told okay. Chavo, I'm not going to be making it this weekend. So oh, it was just okay. kind of like, where the hell is he? And oh, okay. Chavo basically was like, we were trying to cover for him. We don't know, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, all right. So on Monday, uh, Vince McMahon winds up calling a meeting at the ring for all the wrestlers to come down um, so he can talk to everybody. And he notifies them that he had just gotten word that Chris, Nancy, and their son Daniel had passed away. So Vicky Guerrero was actually there because she was working at the time for WWE as on-air talent. And she began to lose it. She was crying, screaming. These were her two closest friends. And her two closest a friends. a year and, she, and a half yeah. after her husband died, they're now gone, including their little boy. Yeah. So at this point... Because the was little boy was what? Six? Seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. six, seven. Oh, my God. So at this point, it was unknown what had happened at the house, only that the three were gone. So that night on Monday Night Raw... The live show was actually canceled. They cleared the stadium. Nobody was in. Um, and they actually aired a three-hour tribute to Chris, his work and his life um, in its place. But nobody was prepared for the shocking details that were about to emerge. So when police arrived that Monday on June 25th, 2007, to do the welfare check as requested by WWE. So they get there around the same time that the neighbor had started to walk over to the house. So the neighbor had tell tells the police that it had been like three or four days since they saw anybody outside in the yard. The two large dogs were in the yard in the pool enclosure, as indicated by the text that Chavo had received the, the morning before. And the dogs were really friendly with the neighbor. So the cops were like, hey, can you get them in the house so we can go inside and do the wellness check? So the neighbor jumped the f- fence and she was able to get the dogs like inside the Benoit house to get them out of the way. But a few minutes later, she comes running out screaming, Daniel's dead. Daniel's dead. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So police enter the home and they could smell that there was an odor of decay in the house. They went upstairs and entered Daniel's bedroom where he was lying on the bed deceased. Um, They left and started to kind of clear the rest of the rooms on the floor. So they went from room to room, making sure everything was all right. They did come upon Nancy's body in the master bedroom. She was lying on the floor wrapped in a towel. So the police continue through the house. They wind up down in the basement where there was a large open room that had been set up as a gym. And there was Chris's body. He was also deceased. He was hung by the neck by the cables of one of his weight machines. So let's kind of backtrack and we'll talk about what actually happened that weekend at the house. So on Friday, the weekend of the murders, Chris and Daniel wind up spending the time together uh, during the afternoon outside by the pool. They barbecued, played in the pool, etc. 
Uh, Later that evening, apparently there was an argument that took place between Chris and Nancy. Chris bound Nancy with duct tape and used a telephone cord to strangle her. Uh, He wrapped her in the towel and then placed a Bible next to her body. According to investigators, there were empty liquor and wine bottles at the house, which indicated that Chris may have been drinking the night that he had killed Nancy. Um, The next morning on Saturday, Chris gave his son Daniel Xanax and suffocated him and also placed a Bible next to his body. On Saturday night, Chris slept in the house with the bodies of both Nancy and Daniel there. On Sunday morning, Chris wakes up. He makes a few internet searches. First, he searches the Bible story of the prophet Elijah and the resurrection of a dead boy from the Old Testament. So that's a little creepy and sad. Um, Then he searched for the quickest and most painless way to break your own neck. So he went downstairs to the gym with a half drank bottle of wine and he took the pull bar off his lat pull down machine. The lat pull down machine is the one that's Mm -hmm. like the vertical bar where you pull it. Uh, yeah. it's attached to the cable with the weights at the end of the cable. So he took the bar off of the machine. Um, he put a towel kind of around his neck, um, wrapped the end of the cord from the machine around his neck, held it and adjusted the weight of the machine to 240 pounds and then let go. There was another Bible left in the house where Chris had left somewhat of a suicide note and basically along the lines of saying, I am preparing to leave this earth. That's really kind of all of it's in. Um, so this is now the details that are passed along to WWE. So on Tuesday night, the televised WWE show from that evening opens with a message from Vince McMahon and he states that, you know, hey, Last night, in lieu of Monday Night Raw, we televised the three-hour tribute to Chris Benoit, his career, his life. But that kind of, you know, in light of the details of what's coming out about what happened this past weekend, Chris would no longer be mentioned on WWE television. So Chris was not spoken of. All mention of Chris was removed from everything having to do with WWE, including the website. Like he was, I mean, yeah, he was not to be... Yeah, basically, he was not to be brought up in interviews. If somebody asked about him, you were to ignore the question or pivot to another subject. So JR, also known as John Ross, he was the ringside announcer at WWE at the time. And he did go to Nancy and Daniel's funeral. And he was kind of there as like the representative for WWE. But Sandra, Nancy's sister, started yelling at him at the funeral. She was so sweet. Her interview for dark side of the ring is very 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 sad um and she basically starts yelling at him and she's like you're not welcome here i know that you're only here from the company just to put on a show from them like it's it seem like you care correct it's a work that's like a it's a wrestling industry term that it's a work it's basically you're just putting on a show this this doesn't mean anything um And the only people associated with the WWE to ever reach out to Chris's older son, David, during this time was Chavo Guerrero and Chris Jericho, who was another WWE wrestler who we love. Chris Jericho is awesome. So Vicky wound up not going to Chris's funeral. She said she was way too angry that he would have taken Nancy and Daniel's lives the way that he did. Um, WWE never attempted to offer any support, monetary or emotional to either David Benoit or to Nancy's surviving family members. So the media's initial response was to assume that this was steroid abuse 
kind of, you know, of course, roid rage, as, mm. as it is commonly referred to. Um, apparently, Chris had actually begun using some type of steroid um, and had been using steroids in some shape or form since he was in high school. Um, and leading up to the murders, investigators discovered that there was a series of texts that Nancy had sent to Chris indicating that she was tired of his steroid use and the emotional abuse that was the result. She stated that the WWE's wellness program, which is meant to like monitor and control the athlete's use of drugs, performance enhancing and illicit drugs was quote, a joke. Um, WWE of course in the public was trying to curb the accusations that uh, it wouldn't have caught any steroid use by Chris through the wellness policy. However, in the toxicology report, it is shown that Chris had substantially high levels of testosterone in his system, which is a banned form of performance enhancement across all major sports. Yeah. So testosterone, of course, aids in the building of muscle mass. And shockingly, Chris had passed all of his wellness checks, including the one most, uh, the closest to the murders taking place. So the early reports focus very heavily on Chris's steroid use, which to be fair, seems to, I mean, have existed, obviously. Yeah. But could there have been something even bigger that was affecting Chris's personality that led to the murders of his wife and child? CTE, or chronic traumatic encephalopathy, is the term used for the degeneration of the brain likely caused by repeated head trauma. Mm -hmm. CTE is most commonly associated with NFL players. This is kind of where we hear about it the most. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why headshots are now illegal in the NFL and helmet contact. You would get a penalty for that, all that stuff. Um, The discovery of CTE and its side effects were made even more famous in the 2015 film Concussion with Will Smith. Some of the complications of individuals found to have had CTE include suicide, murder, aggressive behavior, and dementia. Sadly, however, CTE can actually not be diagnosed until after a person is dead. So basically, you wouldn't even know know, there's no way to see it on a scan and therefore there's no cure or treatment available for the disease. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. So Chris, by his own admission, had suffered more concussions than he could count. Uh, One of the primary causes of his concussion stemmed from the signature move that he had used from early in his career, the diving headbutt. Like I said before, the move resulted in that head-to-head contact between Chris and his opponent um, from the top rope, which is anywhere between three and a half to four and a half feet, like I said. After his death, Chris's brain was examined. It was about a month after he had passed. Chris's brain was examined for evidence of CTE. Not only did he indeed have CTE, the results were actually extreme. The levels of degeneration and the amount of brain damage markers that were present on the brain were all over his brain in all areas, including the parts of the brain that controlled emotional behaviors. So the levels were to a point that not only would it have changed how he behaved and how he reacted to emotional situations, but it actually would have changed basically who he was as a person, just like him. It would have changed yeah. Chris. Yeah. I was going to say that made me really teary eyed. Yeah. Cause that's so sad. Cause it's not his. Yes. It's very simple. Well, and they talk about this. It's actually not in the, in this here, but I looked up like CTE statistics on Wikipedia and it's, it's very similar to when somebody has dementia or, or Alzheimer's. Yeah. Of they just turn into a completely different person. And you have those moments where they're lucid and they're them again. And then they have, you know, 80% of their time. They're not even that person anymore. My, my grandmother suffered for Alzheimer's. She lived with us and it was, she was 
missing for half of the time like it wasn't even her and then she would be there and she would be fine and you would be like oh she's fine it's fine now it's okay and then she would disappear again and she was aggressive and she would get nasty and yeah and it's because they're frustrated and they don't know who they are yeah they don't prisoners in their own body it's 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 incredibly sad it's incredibly sad i'm not saying that what chris did was not unbelievably unforgivable and wasn't absolutely awful but he he wasn't chris benoit anymore yeah it's very sad it's very sad so looking back over the history of the diving headbutt the the move itself it was created by a wrestler named harley race um he had warned others not to use the move because it had messed up his back and was extreme pain in extreme pain when he got older the next person to use it was dynamite kid and he actually wound up in a wheelchair and then chris benoit starts to use the move and the levels of cte in his brain are just off the charts so obviously diving headbutt let's not has it been banned yet i do believe it has okay i do believe it has you would think if it affected that many people with that many negative results that extreme right yeah that would be like a move that would be banned correct you would think you would hope So Sandra, Nancy's sister, believes that it was a combination of all of Chris's demons that led him to kill Nancy and Daniel that weekend. Drinking, steroid abuse, CTE, stress, and the extreme grief over the death of Eddie Guerrero. And that this is what caused him to just reach that breaking point. Um, And another unfortunate part in the whole story is in erasing Chris Benoit from the history of WWE, Nancy's legacy within the industry is partially forgotten. She was a legend in her own right, turning Mm -hmm. the role of a wrestling valet from just that model girl who walks out with the bikini to a powerful character in the story. She was a powerful female force. I mean, she wasn't just bikini babe. She was woman. She was, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate because Chris Jericho is actually uh, interviewed in the the series into in this episode, and he's talking about that. He's like, you know, you can't even put her in the Hall of Fame. She's a legend. People looked up to her. She defined yeah. she defined the role of valet, and now you don't even see that role anymore. It's completely different now, and it's just, it's very unfortunate. It's very sad. Uh, the loss of Daniel is just heartbreaking and almost too much to talk about. That little boy absolutely worshipped his father and his death is unbelievably tragic. Um, and we also can't diminish that Chris's son, David, is also a victim. You know, he lost his dad, he lost his little brother and a stepmother that he adored and who cared for him as much as, as if he was her own son. So through the episodes of The Dark Side of the Ring, David and Nancy's sister Sandra actually reconnect. After three years of being separated by the tragedy, they hadn't seen each other since before the murders occurred. Um, And their shared perspective of the events of that June weekend back in 2007 will hopefully help them heal and grow from the loss. Um, At one point, the interviewer asks Sandra if she'll ever be able to forgive Chris for what he did. And I love her answer. She's like, I, I would love to say that I will. And I think that I will. You know, I, I loved him when he was alive. And, you know, um, she said that she waking up with the, the hate is exhausting and she doesn't want to live that life anymore. She goes, I don't know when. It might be tomorrow, 
but I know it's not today. And I was like, oh, <laughs> God, I love you. And like watching her and David reconnect because they you watch them like embrace yeah. and they're sobbing and holding each other and crying. I'm like, oh, my God, it's so emotional. I cried through two full episodes of the show. <laughs> it's so it's it's unbelievable. And, you know, I, I thought it was important to talk a little bit about Eddie Guerrero because his story and Chris's story are so intertwined. And you have a person like Eddie who and deservedly so, not to take anything away from Eddie Guerrero, who is a legend and came up with Chris and they had like kind of these twin um, careers that came up at the same time and they were very similar in stature and they were teammates and they were best friends and all this stuff. And Eddie is revered and he's idolized. Again, rightly so. He was a wonderful wrestler. And Chris is admonished and erased from the history books and again you get why you understand why but it's you know it's sad it's really sad and it kind of brings to light that whole thing of what we've been talking about these last few years with cancel culture right of oh, yeah how do you separate a person a person's talent from the terrible things that they do and where's the line how do you draw that line what's you know how do you what's the balance now Murdering your wife and son probably is the line. Yeah. It's actually probably over the line, let's face it. Um, but it's, you know, it's sad. You can't you can't discount what he did for the industry. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, how do you celebrate a person who did this horrific thing? So yeah. it's um it's a very interesting story. It's sad. I remember when all of this happened. I was at this point in my life where I wasn't watching wrestling regularly. But I remember when when this happened and being really sad because I always loved Chris Benoit when he was in WCW I remember watching him um when I was a kid so it's just it's very sad but so that was the incredibly sad story of the suicide of Chris Benoit and the murders of Nancy Benoit and Daniel Benoit um so yeah really sad one that is a sad one so and like I said no winners here just Mm -mm. a really tragic and sad story all around so yeah um but yeah so i guess that's it for this week so um for all of you listeners out there just again want to remind you we love you be safe um be kind to one another Mm -hmm. i'm feeling uh feeling some kind of way this week i'm having a having a good week with wrestlemania i'm also having a bad week in just my life so just want to shout out to all of you and say be nice to everybody and be nice Mm -hmm. to each other and hug someone if you can (laughs) because you don't know what they're going through i promise so um Find us on social media, Bed Crime Stories um, on Instagram, Bed Crime Stories on Twitter, Bed Crime Stories Pod at Gmail for the email. Um, we will tell your story if you give us a story suggestion. We did it a couple weeks ago, so send it on our way. Um, we love you guys very much. We hope that you have a wonderful afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to us, and we'll talk to you next week. But until then, sweet dreams. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.